Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft fantasy for the EPL. Now, it's been a very strange week in many respects in our league and in the the, the Premier League as well. So lots to, to digest, lots to talk about. Now, we've got the, the full complement, the full lineup here with us this week. We've got Dave, Gilby, Mick all joining us. Now, Mick, I wanted to start with you. Um, I just wanted to congratulate you, actually. I wanted to congratulate you because your first round draft pick, Havertz, got his first attacking return since game week three. So I think that deserves that deserves a clap. I think I'm that's kind wonderful. Of, I'm kind of surprised he's even had attacking returns before this. Well, yes, I, I checked just before, and I'm I or two was surprised because I was expecting to say your very first attacking returns all season, but no, it's from game week three. Um, but I guess the thing I'll just um put it as a sidebar is that you know it was for him tri- tripping over in the penalty box, so you know we, we'll take it. But congratulations, Mick! Congratulations. Thanks, thanks. I'll take yeah. I I'll, I need all the help I can get at the moment. And look, you had a pretty good week, and we will talk about that um, in in terms of you know scoring points. We'll we'll see if it's changed your overall position. We'll keep that as a surprise. And also because Mick, you've had that wonderful attacking return, I have put a positive M word in your multi title this week, as per requested. So appreciated, very much appreciated. That no, one, no problem. So I'll leave that as a surprise. But I, you know, I. I I figured, hey, he's he's had some success. Let's Is let's give him what he wants. <laughs> no, but that could be a good one for next week, depending how things go. Um, but Mick, since since we're chatting, since we're chatting, let's maybe get on to your moment of the week this week. Um, is it is it EPL related or is it is it our our draft league related? Well, like you said, I had a bit of a help, bit of fortune this week, and actually had a good round. And I was having a look at seeing. Uh, with this last game that happened this morning, our time in uh, in Australia here, that Wolves and Everton played. I was looking at, and I had three players playing, and everyone else had just about done. And I had a look at who everyone had coming into their teams, um, automatic subs-wise. And I found it very strange that out of our eight managers, seven of us had an automatic sub. So only one of us actually fielded a team that fully played, which I would assume is relatively rare. I haven't actually looked at other seasons. Um but I found that kind of strange, but not necessarily that, but out of the seven guys that came off the bench, six of them got attacking returns or defensive returns. So I think from our stats, so Dan, who we'll talk about a bit later, who had a pretty good week, his starting team uh, did everything they needed to do and more. So he had nothing in saying that the first guy on his bench did have seven points sitting there. So that could have been even better for him. Um, As for the rest of us, Dave had two points come into his team from his bench. I had five, Gilby six, Jeff seven. Um, ben had eight come into his team. Um, and then Nathan had 13. I think you might have had 10, was it, Isaac? I had 12. Um, 12. So just some ridiculous, you could almost say some poor match, uh, sorry, some poor team selection that resulted well because at least the bench was ordered correctly. So... I found that quite interesting, the number of points coming from our bench this week. So something to look for in the future. And I guess that's that's why you have the bench there to come in. Mm. So to save rotation so you don't have a guy like Sterling that gives you a solid one point every week. <laughs> Consistency is key there, Mick. Um, 
but you're right. I think it highlights for the draft game in particular, the way it's set up, having a, a squad who are all playing is is such an important feature of this game, you know, because we are going to see more and more people be rotated as the season goes on. So having those players who are playing, who can come in off the bench, give you some points is is really, really important. So no, good, really good pick up there, Mick. We might jump over to Dave. Now, Dave, hit us with it. Moment of the week. What What are we dealing with this week? So my moment of the week is just the all-round performance by Aaron Ramsdale uh, for Arsenal against Leicester. Um, just an absolutely outstanding game in goals. Uh, eight saves. One of them, you know, full stretch. Ball's going in the top corner and he's just tipped it out. And uh, someone who may know a thing or two about goalkeeping, Peter Schmeichel, uh, said that it's the best goal, uh, the best save he's seen in years. So... You can't get much better praise than that. Um, Yeah, eight saves, clean sheet, absolutely amazing save. Uh, But also he joined in with the Leicester fans when they were yelling out, uh, your shit, ah. So he turned around, got involved, and definitely had the last laugh. If I remember correctly, when we were rumouring about Matty Ryan potentially coming back to Arsenal and we said, oh, Ramsdale's coming in, did you not slate him for how bad the guy's been? How he's been relegated two or three consecutive seasons yeah. and why are they bothering getting him? It was I definitely, definitely someone on the pod. Yeah. That wasn't you, Isaac. Yeah, it was me. It was I just pointed out to the fact that he'd been relegated three times in a row. And generally speaking, that, that, that's got to say something about the player. But, hey, he's having a blinder, so good on him. I still think, you know... Matty Ryan does a lot of those good things too, but you know he had his chance at Arsenal. Obviously, didn't take off. So good on good on Ramsdale for making the most of it. Off topic with the Prem, but Matty Ryan's game for was it is it Sociedad he's playing for now? But yeah. wow, I looked saw Aren't, some of the highlights and there were some cracking uh, saves in that. Aren't they toward the top of the league? Top of the they're top of the league now as well. Oh, wow. um, I mean, it kind of helps when Barcelona are down in ninth and just not <laughs> the Barcelona that we all know and. Some may or may not love, but uh, yeah, Matt, they're, Even they're still, both doing well. If, if Sociedad were coming fourth behind Atletico, Real and Barca, you'd still say that's a hell of a season. So even if Barca aren't great, first is still impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on the back of that um, great Ramsdale performance against Leicester, um, Arsenal have hit some good form and things look to have possibly turned around for Arteta. Mm, they've definitely started to gel really well. He's got them playing the way he wants, I guess. So doesn't make for great art. They have doesn't make for mm, great Arsenal fan good. TV though, because that's always better when they're getting flogged. I'm pretty sure no one watches it when you know Arsenal are actually playing well. Does anyone actually bother watching then? I don't think so. No, I think you're right. <laughs> oh, very nice. Look, we'll we'll jump over to Gilby now. Gilby, I'm sure yours is uh, related to the team that you love. And which is good because, you know, we, we, we spoke a lot about Manchester United last week. So hopefully there's a few positive things to say this week, Gilby. Yeah, I mean, they really needed to put in a, a better performance this time, if not get at least get a positive result as well. And they did both. Uh, interesting thing for a lot of people is that came with a big formation change of playing a 3-5-2. So brought in Varane to play as the central centre-back in a back three and played wing-backs. And then had a 
Strike Force up front with a combined age of 70, um, who both got on the score sheet. So um, a big change for Manchester United there. Um, not so good if you have any of the Manchester United wingers because it looked like they actually played pretty well. So if you have Greenwood, like I think Mick might at the moment, or Isaac has, I have Rashford, and um, I don't think anyone has Sancho at the moment. I think one of the boys may have traded him out earlier. So going to be interesting to see what formation he goes with. But yeah, I mean... If you've got a combined strike, a combined age strike force of 70 and they're both scoring with great goals, that's a pretty cool moment for me. There's still hope for us, boys. Still hope for us. I, I saw a lovely little uh, stat that, because we spoke about that a bit last week, but I love how Ollie used Conte's management style and formation to out, to out the Tottenham manager only to then be replaced by Conte which I thought was a fantastic little turn of events, how he's used his own formation to screw his team because now Manu won't get Conte because now Tottenham's sacked them. So interesting little turn of events there. But I think I mentioned that last week, Gilby, that if Conte did come in and they went to a 3-5-2, that the attack, the wingers of Manu might get, um, I guess, devalued somewhat. Um, didn't even take that long to get Conte to come in, so... Yeah, well, the interesting thing then will be uh, for Dave, he's probably cheering for Conte to take over Spurs because if he does play the 3-5-2, that means Son is more than likely going to go back up front with Kane. And then, obviously, we're talking Reguilon and probably Emerson Royal would be your wingbacks. So the value of them probably goes up as well. The problem he's going to have, I think, is I'm not sure if Tottenham have enough good centre-backs to play that system. So that's going to be a potential issue. I know at the start of the year here, I had Matt Doherty up pretty high with Nuno going into Spurs, um, with him being there. And I thought, well, how good he was, not necessarily last year, but the year before with the Wolves, um, as in that wingback role, how good he was in terms of, he was almost like a Reese James, the way he started this year. Maybe not quite to that extent, but how attacking he was, how high up the field he got. But I'm, I'm still surprised he hasn't been as threatening as he has. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Emerson, but if he's not, as versed going forward, well, maybe Doherty is going to be a guy who ups in value a little bit. But I think one thing is for sure, Regulon on that left side is going to definitely move up in value. Um, I can't see them, even though if they do go into that role, Sun will go more central. He will go up in value as well. They're, ne- they're not going to drop him like they have with Sancho and Greenwood. So uh, good. it's good for, who has Sun? Dave, I think it is. Sure like do. You, Dave. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm hoping that's that's what happens, but remains to be seen. So I think that. So Gilby, is this going to be the formation they stick with for a little while? Do you reckon? My inclination is that he will play it um, for the next couple of rounds while we have tough fixtures. So probably until about I had a look at it about to about round thirteen. Uh, we've got a really tough run coming up. And then from round 13 onwards, we've got uh, round 14 onwards, sorry. We do have a really good run then. So he's probably more tempted to go back to 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 for that run. Um, but yeah, for the next few weeks, I would probably be expecting the 3-5-2 to be rolled back out. Whether or not, depends that whether or not you think Cavani is going to still be his partner or not. Because I know he's a free agent in our league at the moment. So available there for anyone with a slot up front. Um, that could be an interesting one to bring in. Or I'm hoping that Rashford is Ronaldo's partner up front if he stays at that 3-5-2. 
So mm. bit of an interesting one there. Greenwood could potentially come off the bench as well. So I mean, whether or not his value is still holding a little bit, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Solskjaer is going to get to at least Christmas and then they'll make an evaluation there. And does it mean maybe Lingard gets a bit of a run, um, you know, coming off the bench for Fernandez potentially? I mean, you're not likely to take Fernandez off too, op- too often, but I think that position is very important and Lingard can play that position very well. I think of the two main midfielders that have been frozen out so far, so we're talking Lingard and Van Der Beek, I would say Van Der Beek is the more likely one to get benefit out of that because okay. I think he is much more of a box-to-box role, whereas I think Lingard is really only your attacking role. And at the moment, there's only Bruno Fernandes who kind of plays that role in a 3-5-2. You kind of need like two real workhorses in the middle, so it does suit McTominay and Fred as limited as are in some other aspects. It really does suit them. Um the really interesting one is going to be obviously Pogba is banned for three EPL matches. And if he comes back in, in what role does he come in? And then do they, do they change formation for someone that's going to leave for free in the end of the season? That's going to be another tough one. I think some of what you were alluding to a little bit earlier there, Gilby, is that uh, you're fairly certain that Ronaldo is nailed on up front and, if we just wind things back seven days, I think everyone that listens to this podcast will remember quite vividly how I was defending his honour and saying how much of a great asset he was for me <laughs> and he should never, under any circumstances, get rid of Ronaldo. Uh, and I think, you know, another goal over the weekend has justified everything that I was saying about this man seven days ago. Yeah, I think you were saying yeah, something about him being the GOAT. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, like yeah. I'm sure that how how it went. That I mean, like I said, it's gonna be the only answer that we'll actually know is when we look at it at the end of the season. Like one game doesn't make a season, um, but I mean, a few big games can make a really big difference, as one of our managers found out uh, that we'll talk about a bit later. My my memory, I think, is obviously shot because I'm not sure that's how the conversation went, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> I uh, I said a few interesting things that maybe uh, didn't back Ronaldo quite the same either. So hey, we'll, we'll listen back to last week and we'll decide if uh, that is the case, Dave. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into what maybe what maybe did or didn't happen with a trade involving Ronaldo. Um, I'm sure Mick has a lot to say about that. Uh, but he did have a good game week, so you know, uh, infer what you will there. Um, I suppose it's just up to me with uh, to, to round this off. Now, I was going to talk about Dan a little bit, but Mick um, sort of spoke about Dan a touch. I might leave conversation for Dan and his game week to when we talk about the league. So that does leave me uh, getting on my soapbox and 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 talking about uh, Crystal Palace. <laughs> which I've done the last few weeks, which uh, isn't, um, you know, I I don't like to just talk about Crystal Palace because I'm a Crystal Palace fan, but, you know, they did do something pretty, pretty good this week in beating Man City um, and beating them somewhat convincingly. Like they were incredibly solid at the back. They uh, pressed when they needed to press and turned over the ball when they needed to. They kept possession for periods of time, not as long a periods as they would for other teams. Um, but they were able to come away with a 2-0 win um, against a quality side. And in doing so, sort of um, sort of 
justified or shown just how well they have been playing because the last four week, uh, the last four game weeks before it was all four draws um, where they should have at least won two or three of those games. So to come away with all three points in a game where I don't think anyone was anyone was expecting it um, was excellent. So I just love the way they're playing and. You know, hopefully we've got a better run of fixtures coming up. So, hope, fingers crossed, we can actually continue picking up those points. So, I, I just think the way they've been playing has been fantastic. They've been really forward moving, and um, you know, you got to credit Vieira for getting the best out of those players. Um, and there's still a few guys coming back from injury as well, which will uh, help that squad and help that team. So, I think yeah, all I things think are it, looking good. I think at the start of the season, a few of us were unsure of how Vieira was going to go. We definitely said, you know, he's got respect not only in the game, but in England uh, for what he did as a player. But we were a bit um, sceptical over his managerial prowess. But yeah, I think he's starting to show that he's he's got a style. He's um, getting the best out of the players and the squad as a whole. And yeah, things are looking up. I'm interested to know now, this might be a question for you, Isaac, but... The handover from last year to this year compared to what the majority of other managers go, is Vieira just the benefit of Roy leaving on not being completely shown the door all of a sudden? Has Vieira just got a much better squad, a more balanced squad, a more, I guess, in-tune squad than most managers would be? Like Conte at the moment, I guess you could, some would argue he's going okay, but Nuno's come in and in, a, in the space of, what, three, four months, tried to overhaul the squad hasn't worked. He's got half a squad together. How does that work? So is as much as I don't want to put down what Vieira is doing, he's obviously doing a great job, but is Roy partly to, I guess, give the credit to here? Because he did, obviously, he's the one that did the majority of this squad. Has has Vieira, I guess the question is, has Vieira changed the formation and the style completely? Or is he, is he just, I guess, maintaining and continuing on the work that Roy started? Um, so I guess... To answer that question, it's probably some aspects yes and some aspects no. So I think what Vieira inherited in terms of what the squad looked like when Roy was managing was it was a... I think, hang, hang on, I, let's just clear something up. It's pronounced yeah. Woy. Oh, sorry, Woy. Yeah, no, yeah. I apologise. <laughs> apolog- thank you, thank you. Yeah, for a second when, when uh, Mick mentioned Woy. I wasn't quite sure who he was talking about, but no, I've got that now. Thank you. It was Woy. Um, what Woy does very well is defensively, he makes his teams very, very solid and he basically plays on the counter. So he was able to, and, and, and a lot of people call it you know boring football, but it was effective and it kept Palace in the league for multiple years. So a very defensively sound and solid base, making um, sure that they're hard to break down uh, and getting them, you know, their two blocks of four really quickly when they need to defend um, and basically staying back and defending, getting the ball in that sort of um, the back end of their half and then counter-attacking forward. So that's what Roy sort of left them with. I think what... Um, the people at Crystal Palace realized is that A, they had an aging squad and they needed a new manager and they needed to go in a more a different direction. So that's where Vieira obviously comes in. But there's a, there was a lot of player turnover. So there was, I think, 11 players 
whose contracts lapsed and went on off on free agents and they didn't resign. Um, and a lot of them were, were aging and older and been in the squad for a long time and, and had done really, really good things. So then they looked to bring in youth and they looked to bring in quality youth. And some of that started happening before Vieira came in, but then I'm sure Vieira had a bit of a hand in picking some of those players that he wanted for a particular style because he wants to play out from the back. So that's part of what he wants. And so the two centre-backs that they brought in have the capability of doing that. And I think as well as that, he brought the pressing style in. So he he sort of brought that philosophy in, okay, if we lose the ball in, in our attacking half, if we can press and get it back quickly, we need to do that. And then if we can't, we get back into our shape. So he has benefited from some of the defensive work that's gone before, but he's also brought in that attacking, that pressing, and playing out from the back and keeping possession. So he's changed that style as well. So I think, yeah, it's a yes and no answer there, if that sort of makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just going to ask, but you kind of answered it then, is, well, how much of the uh, the transfer window did Vieira actually have control over? So I do mm. remember you now saying that there was a large turnover and a lot of free agency and contracts that were allowed to lapse of the aging players. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess credit goes out to your management that they've done yeah. a cr- great job, not just necessarily football management, but the entire football operations team because yeah. they've put together a pretty good squad that's uh, exceeding expectations so far, that's for sure. I mean, it was a massive risk what they did. A pretty big, like when you're in the Premier League, you want to stay in the Premier League. Generally, you don't just totally say, right, we're going to get rid of these older pros and bring in youth. But that's what they did. They were very calculated in who they brought in though. And they brought in areas they know they needed and wanted to strengthen, but kept players who at least could be good squad players as well. So, um, you know, I think... Yeah, like you say, credit where credit is due, they've done a great job. So, you know, fingers crossed they can roll on. It'll just be interesting how if they fatigue over time because they are like a younger, newer sort of squad. So just, that'll be very interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, like you're saying with Palace rolling on, I was just having a look at their fixtures and they're about to go on a great run. The only difficult fixture, and I say in inverted commas, difficult fixture, is away to Manchester United. Um, and that is a run all the way up until round 20. So they don't play any of the top teams until round 20 Palace. So this could be a chance for Vieira. Now he's better down his style. He's got some players in good form. This could be a real chance to make a push for that kind of, to say, top half finish. You're probably have pretty happy with Isaac. Oh, yeah. Well, I think our best finish has been 10th um, since we've been back in the Premier League. So if we were to get into top half, considering the changes that have happened, that would be an amazing achievement. So, yeah, we'd be pretty stoked with that. So... Fingers crossed they can uh, make their way up into that the top end of the table. I'm just having a quick look now, Gilby. Now, maybe I'm miscounting, but is that 20th game, I've got it as Norwich. Are you saying Norwich is a hard fixture, or are you referring to the Tottenham game before it or the West Ham game after it? So the, I was just looking at the colours. I didn't even go as far as Norwich. So I was just looking at all the way till round 20 because I thought, oh, I'll just look all the way to round 20. So, yeah, I mean, round 20 being at home to Norwich and then next game is away, no, at home to West Ham. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, including so, round 20 then, I probably should have said. Okay, so Tottenham is an easy game then. Cool. I mean, we've written it off already. Sweet. It wasn't even me, Nathan, with, it was Gilby. Even with Conte potentially coming in, we're, we're saying that uh, easy easy game, easy win. I think, the words I, used were an, I think the words I used were an easy run of fixtures. Oh, oh. 
<laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. Look, when you said the word difficult and Norwich, it's they're difficult to lose to. I think is where we need to go with that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So, with that all said, there are moments of the week. Mick, let's have a look at the multi just really, really quickly because we've got far more pressing matters to get into. Now, the one thing I will say though, Mick, is you seem to be hedging your bets a little bit. You're throwing in two multis at us now. So, you had two multis that you sort of put forward. You said, oh, this is my preferred one. But I feel like you're hedging your bets a little bit and you're you're, yeah. you're already betting. So, can we just have one from, you know, going forward? Is that okay, yeah. Mick? Or? This week is ready. I've got it ready to go. I know wow. what this week is going to be. Well, I don't and want to hear about it now, but let's, we can let's guarantee do it, last it won't happen because there's multiple reasons here. But last <laughs> week's, uh, there was a caveat. And the reason for it is for when this pod is recorded. And we had the FA Cup last week, or League Cup, sorry. Um, because Leicester played the next morning or the morning or two after, I did go for Patson Ducker with Jamie Vardy's potential injury. I said, well, he's going to come into Leicester and they're going to. Beat Arsenal, I think. Both teams are going to score, though, and he's going to score, or first goal scorer. Um, obviously, we found out, I'm pretty sure it may have not even been 24 hours later, that they said Vardy will get rested, but he will be fine for the weekend. So, obviously, that kind of put a, a red line straight through that one. Um, but the one I did say is like, well, this is the one that's more likely going to happen. Three legs. Tottenham to beat Man U. Harry Kane to score first. Ronaldo to score any time. I, I got one of the three, um, <laughs> but you could argue that the other two were a long, long way off. So, I yeah, think that, if, that, that one wasn't that good. Yeah, I think if Man United were to pick any team to sort of play against the way, you know, and needing a win, it'd probably be Newcastle or Tottenham, to be fair. So, you know... It, Norwich, surely Norwich. Oh, Norwich too, yeah. No, no fair enough. So there's three there. Like, Tottenham are going... Yeah pretty rubbish and um you know you, you had three legs if only one leg is actually working i'd dread to think how this uh, poor creature is going so well this week i'm going to cut it down to two so stay tuned for that one there's only oh, two wow. legs this week yeah wow well yeah. look so that I... way i can be 50 percent right not 33 percent right <laughs> <laughs> well you're probably just as excited to hear the the m word that i drop into the particular titles i am to hear what this two leg multi is so we'll keep that for right at the end you know we'll keep got to keep the the listeners sort of hooked right i think that's the idea of a podcast so that that's the way we'll do it um so this turns over into now gilby's waiver wire summary uh there was plenty of action one thing i did notice gilby and please correct me if i'm wrong you didn't put in anything into the waiver wire is that right you're that confident I did not put anything into the waiver wire because I looked at it and I couldn't see anyone that I thought was a genuine upgrade. Um, so but I, I was ha- yeah, no, no upgrade I, there. I'm willing. I'm willing to hold because I know as soon as I drop him, <laughs> I'm not getting him back. Um, so I, I think I've just got to wear that one. Unfortunately, I haven't had a, a great run with striker injuries and suspensions. Um, so. I just got to wear that one, I think, because I'm not getting him back if I do give him up. What I if Michael Misford came into the league? Pardon? What if Michael Misford came into the league? Would you consider <laughs> oh, I mean, it then? I think, I think Dave's jumping on that one. I think he's already putting that in as his free agent trade for a future transaction. So I know that's one of Dave's old favorites. I think I think that's going to be his, his first pick in the redraft. Yeah, yeah I've already probably. got him lined up for the redraft. Yep. <laughs> 
All right, so um, before I go into the free agent trades, I can really only start uh, in one place, and that was uh, Mick's great trade, um, where he has given up Rafinha and Watkins for Rodrigo and Jesus in return. So, Mick, what were you thinking? I think we can tell by that tone, Mick, that uh, it maybe not have been the the the, the best trade, the best it's, outcome this week. We're looking for long term. That's that's <laughs> all I can say there. Obviously, this week it didn't work well for a total of two points for, well, potentially four points. I don't know. I dropped Rodrigo immediately, which was the play. Um, yep, I've been over the course of the last pod. There was about. 15 different offers that went out to different managers. I will admit that was probably my fourth or fifth preferred option. Um, so there was other ones that I thought were genuine chances, but unfortunately the uh, the time frame of the cutoff again got us. Um, it is quite frustrating, particularly not having the ability to do the waivers before you make the trades. Um, Cause it is nice sometimes knowing if you can make a trade guaranteeing yourself, who you are going to get in return? Um, but for that one, I'm. It's almost purely an all-or-nothing move. Watkins, while has maybe been the better of Villa's options up front, Villa have been bad. Um, Danny Ings, I'm assuming, must be sick or injured or something because he didn't play at all. Yeah, um, just not playing well. And I mean, yes, I think Watkins got seven points, but it was in a 4-1 loss. So, admittedly, West Ham have been quite good, but... I'm not sure how much I expect to see from um, from Watkins, but in terms of Rafinha, he's been so up and down with injury. I know he's lead striker, but leads as well haven't been very good. So I'm almost purely banking on, well, I am going on Jesus to create something and actually give me some more points. Um, and I've struggled to make a trade that strengthens my mids so I went, screw it, let's strengthen my forwards. So that's what I went with. Um, like I said, there were other offers out there that I would have preferred, but that is what it is. In saying that, I can tell by the tone that that was a horrible trade in your opinion. I will admit, Dan tried to upgrade it, so I would also give up Ronaldo and Chilwell. So I'm not quite sure how greedy he needed to be, but he still tried, and that trade went through at 7.59. So it went through one minute before the cutoff actually happened. So for me, it's an all-or-nothing play. Um, I figure I can't get any worse, really. And those two players aren't, at the end of the day, if I end up coming last, that won't get held over my head. If I lose, if I give Ronaldo and he goes nuts, that's a different story. People go, you had the one of the greatest players to ever play, and you gave him up. What were you thinking? slightly different in this scenario. So giving it a crack, trying to strengthen up the majority of my team or give myself more trade bait, if nothing else. So that that's what I'm going with there in hope that he can be there. And as well, I saw the shootout against West Ham in the Carabao Cup. Um, I don't know if you've seen his penalty, but he's a confident player at the moment. So I'm hoping that they can piggyback off that. He seems to be in a, on a new lease of life out on the right wing. So hopefully he can benefit City just unfortunately have apparently not started playing very well. So hopefully he comes back in and with De Bruyne starting to get consistent minutes, hopefully he can start to do something for me. 
Yeah, the only, like, the main question, um, and I think, like, I was had a quick chat with Isaac as well, um, we couldn't understand why you give up Rafinha. Uh, Watkins, you can maybe make an upgrade. That's a bit of an upgrade to go Jesus. Jesus more of a rotation risk than Watkins, but I can see the upside there. Rafinha is the main one for me that I would not have given up for that price, especially for Rodrigo you're going to immediately get rid of as well. Yeah, and I think... The reason it was going is partly it may have been frustration at how hard and how many offers I've put out without being able to make anything. Um, and I'm, I don't know whether it's, I know I definitely offered Rafinha through to Dave as well. I'm pretty sure I offered him through to Jeff as well. Um, so I kind of looked at my team and I said, well, Sterling has no value. I'm not going to get anything for him. Havertz, He's only if he he can lose his current value very very quickly, but he could in this next three weeks triple his value. So I think if I'm going to hold him, now's the time I need to hold him. It doesn't make sense to get rid of him now, in my opinion. I may as well hope I get it, and if I don't, well, it's no different to what had already been happening. Um, Fornells has been up and down. He's consistent for West Ham, but they don't seem other than Antonio don't seem to have a one shining light. Um, and then this week, um, we may talk about how they completely played around him, um, around Antonio. Um, and then my other midfielder was Redmond, who I also know has effectively no trade value. So I kind of went, well, my only two players of value in the midfield, if I'm trying to get something in return, were uh, Rafinha and Havertz. I didn't want to give up Havertz. Rafinha was the option. So... The, the main reason is, like we've said, I've, I wanted to strengthen my midfield. I've kind of alluded to the fact that it is so difficult to get a midfielder in return from anybody. So I said, well, how can I strengthen another position by getting, giving up two good to okay play, okay to good players, really strengthen either my forwards or my defense and allow myself to have a rotation midfielder who I can pick up whoever's playing Norwich this week, whoever's playing Newcastle this week. So yes, I think on the surface, yeah, looking straight at that, I lose. But if you can, if if I can find a way to find that midfielder who's got an easy fixture each week, long run, it may not be as bad as it looks. Um, and then there's another international break. And if Rafinha goes away again, he's going to have the same issue again. So he's always going to miss a week of every four blocks. So um, that, that, that was my thinking there. I started, I kind of went completely away from strengthening midfield. I said, well, screw it. I'm going to go into the waivers to do that. And let's try and strengthen outside that as well. So there, there, there's as much logic as I can give you to that. <laughs> well, you said, Mick, that that trade was potentially like your fourth or fifth best option. Is that, I think that's sort of what you said. Yeah. I don't know if you elaborate on that anymore before, but you did put in a trade for me. You did withdraw it. And I was actually keen to do the mm-hmm. trade, but it was um, Shaw and Rafinha for Walker and Townsend. Where did that rank? Just because I'm just interested where that was for you. Um, there was one that I, I had above everything, but unfortunately I didn't even, I kind of flipped the whole trying to upgrade my midfield very late in the game. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really consider what I was, what I could have done until late. Um, so I had, um, see where it was. I had another one to Jeff as well. Where is it? Let's see if I can find it. Oh no, sorry. He offered me one. I think it might've been. Um, 
CR7 and Sterling for um, either Timo Werner or Wang and Mares. So that's what he offered me. And I basically said, if I'm getting rid of Sterling, I don't want another rotating mid for Ster- City. Straight up. Unfortunately for Jeff, he has three of them. So he and I and then he's like, okay, well, and he seems to really want Sterling and or CR seven or one of those two. So then he said, okay, well, um, CR seven and Sterling for the same two strikers, so Werner and ha- Wang, and who? And I said, well, considering you have three city mids, Kovacic and Salah, there's no one. He's like, oh, but Pepe came in Kovacic, so I was like, well, there's nothing there. So I said, unless you're including Salah in the trade nothing's happening. And knowing Jeff's a big <laughs> Liverpool fan, I said, that's not going to happen now. Um, I did offer Jeff one in return. I said, Digne and Rafinha for Pepe and Van Dijk. Now that was me going, I realize Pepe's not playing, but that is getting a nailed on Liverpool defender, which gives me a diversification because I don't think I have a, in, a Liverpool player at all. So I said, well, if I can get a decent or sorry, a good defender that's going to play 90 minutes with the occasional headed goal here or there for a good team, that's something worthwhile. Um, he said, I'm thinking about it, but he was out at the time. And he said, obviously, he's attached to Van Dyke, And he also said Rafinha doesn't appeal. So I, I ruled that one out. Um, he has since made me more trade offers since then, but it was after the cutoff and now we're going into this week. So, But he is asking for Chilwell, Havertz and CR7. So quite possibly my three best assets for last week and this week in terms of fixtures and possibilities. So there's a fair bit there. In saying that, what you were saying, Isaac, my favorite offer, Your that offer was good at the time. And then I had another offer. That one from Jeff came in. So I said, well, I don't want you to have the ability to immediately say yes. And then me to get an offer I would have preferred. So I withdrew it with the option. Okay, I'll go back if I need to. Um, but the one that I actually really would have liked actually involves Dave. I don't know if he's worked this out yet, but it was the one I said to Dave. Now, we've spoken before about how he has a certain defensive asset sitting in his club that he'd be willing to trade. And somehow this had never crossed my mind that maybe I could give him Rafinha, who we've heard how much Dave loves. And I never put two and two together that maybe Dave would take a decent midfielder from Leeds that's a gun. And like I've said, is an upgraded on a Watford Saar, for instance, for that diversification in his backline. Um, so I offered Rafinha and Digne for, uh, is it Matthias Klitsch from Leeds and Robertson. And again, I literally, the way I kind of went through these trades is I looked at everybody's team and said, who is the worst midfielder I can trade for? Because if I can take the worst player from somebody else's team and upgrade them with a Rafinha, I can upgrade the reverse player. So that's what I went for. I went with a click because I'm like, well, he can be rotated through the uh, waiver while pretty comfortably. Rafinha, on the other hand, is an upgrade on anybody in the waiver while. So that's what I went with. Unfortunately, the response I got was, huh, if you thought Nathan was hard to deal with. Um, so <laughs> then he said he's got a few offers and it's hard to get through them all. And I said, the cutoff's like, an hour away and then it never happens. So in the end, I went with Dan. I sent Dan a message and we bartered two and four and it went through. So I realized I overpaid, but what I'm currently doing is doing nothing. So it's worth taking a chance. Yeah. And I was quite happy to get rid of click. Um, but, and, and I completely understand the logic in going for someone's worst defender, but I think, think you'd be better off 
going for someone's second worst defender because they will potentially find that person harder to drop for the waiver wire. I'm quite happy to drop Click potentially in the next couple of weeks to get rid of him um, and pick up someone that's available. Um, but that may not necessarily be the case for my second worst midfielder. My argument there would be your your second worst midfielder would still be better than anyone in the waiver wire. Otherwise, you would have already dropped them to the waiver wire. Rafinha should, in theory, be better than both of them. I, I would say across most of our, on general, Rafinha should be a low second to a high third midfielder for everybody. I don't think there's yep. many, many teams or many of our teams where he would be the fourth best midfielder purely because he is the creative outlet for Leeds, particularly with Bamford out. He's going to be involved in almost everything they do. So I think that was my theory is I, I realized that everyone could drop him, but I'm like, well, what I'm saying is I'm willing to take that next best player in the waiver wire and give you someone that I know is better than that. So, because Dan said the same thing to me. He said, oh, I'm looking at dropping this player anyway. And I said, well, let me drop that player and get someone else. You take someone better. So that that was my thinking there. Yeah, the other thing playing against you in your trade to me was I just generally don't rate Dinya. I know he's had a few seasons where he's scored a huge amount of points for um, Everton bombing up the wings, but uh, maybe it's just... Uh, maybe I'm a bit jaded because I think one of those seasons I had Coleman for a fair chunk of it. And um, I think for some of those games, Dinya was taking Coleman's points. So I wasn't happy. No, you got no reason <laughs> to be jaded. He is just pretty awful this year. And so yeah. are Everton, to be honest. He's had one game of zero and two games of negative one out of 10 so far. So I, I think his new nickname is Lucas Furpo Digne, So. <laughs> All right. So with that um, out of the way, the trades then went. Mick dropped Rodrigo immediately to bring in Madison, um, hoping maybe for a bit of a turnaround there. But I think even if Madison has been out of form, uh, dropping a defensive midfielder from City for an attacking midfielder from like, uh, Leicester, I'm going to give that one a pass. That's an upgrade for me. In fairness, uh, he should have scored if it wasn't for Ramsdale. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I think you're a bit stiff there. So I, I'm definitely going an upgrade there for pass. Uh, Dan dropped Broja for King, Dave's mate from Watford. Um, I'm saying that's a pass because King looks like he has nailed down a starting spot, at least for now. Um, so I think that's an upgrade. And Broja's uh, injured was, as well. Yeah, he's picked up an injury too. So Nate was next. He dropped Pinnock for Chalabar. I think he may actually be the third or fourth manager to pick up Chalabar from free agents. So he's been a bit of a regular on our waiver wire. Um, Jeff dropped Pepe to bring in Kovacic, who then immediately got injured. So that was a, he had to fix that a bit later in free agents, but that was next up. Isaac was another manager to try for Kovacic, and but then he settled for dropping Townsend for Cornet. So Isaac's streak of great trades continued when he brought in Cornet's 10-point game. So is that still a short-term transfer, Isaac? You prepared to just go with a bit of form there, or are you thinking that's kind of a long-term upgrade for you? Um, it's definitely an upgrade given Townsend's drop-off. I think, yeah, it'll be a... 
I think I'll play the short-term game with a few players here and there and just try and pick up points. And he's in form, so um, hopefully the goals continue. Yeah, well, I looked at it. He has actually, where did I find that statistic? He has scored four goals in 282 minutes on the pitch. So he's been really explosive when he's been on. Hopefully that mm. form can continue for you. He's, Hopefully he gets injured something, for everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's something that Burnley really needed. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Mick was next. He also tried for Kovacic, but then swapped Markal for Sace. So just a Wolves swap there. I think Wolves are coming into some good fixtures. So probably looking for more nailed on starter there, I think, Mick. Yeah, basically. Um, Michael had, I think, a run of two or three games where he was an attacking threat all of a sudden. Um, and then this morning, I think, eight Nori came in instead. Um, so he's been rotated. He had a bit of an injury cloud. I think he had a, a yellow flag on him as well. So um, And Saiz has looked solid like in terms of, obviously, defensively, but he's an attacking threat in the air as well. Um, I mean, you only have to look at this morning to the fact that the replacement left back assisted one of the other centre-backs for the team. So I think... He's had some really good. One thing that I find he's probably better at than majority of centre backs in the league is when there is that scramble in the box. He seems to be very quick to react. Size. If you look at the expected goals um, statistic, the, the the site that I go through, he seems to get a lot of point six point seven chances from right on the box where it's spilled from a the uh, a header off the keeper. I say the keeper saved a header, and it's just he's the Johnny on the spot to try and put it away. So. I think he, he's he's almost a centre-back in a three-back formation. For set pieces, though, that is a, a real threat. So, yeah, a bit of a, a nailed-on starter there. And then, um, hopefully, an attacking return here or there. Yep, yeah, I'm definitely um, on board with that one. So, that's a pass from me. Uh, Dan also tried for Cornet and also tried for Kovacic. But then he settled for dropping Marcus Alonso for Michael Keane from Everton. Um, now... It's a bit of a tough one there because I get the fact that Chilwell's come in and looked really good. But given the position Dan's in, he did have a great round this week, which we'll talk more about later. Um, I'm going to say fail for me because evidence defense have not looked good at all. I don't see the upgrade there at all. Um, bringing in a more solid player for someone that when he plays is going to be worth big points. And that's what Dan really needs to ride for now. So I wouldn't have gone that one. Uh, Nate also tried for Kovacic. I think that's the fourth manager who tried for him. Um, Jeff tried for Chalaba again, but then settled for <laughs> dropping Tarkowski and bringing Castagne from Leicester. as one of his old favourites, the wing back there. So a bit of a 50-50 for me. Leicester haven't looked good. Castagne hasn't had much game time. So interesting one there. Isaac next, dropping Seamus Coleman to bring in Henry. I'm assuming you're looking at Brentford being able to play Norwich and Newcastle in the next two weeks, are you, Isaac? Yep, that's it. So then Mick was next, dropping Raya for Cruel. Now, the only thing I'll say there for Cruel, uh, Dave as well, there are only two teams in the Premier League who have not had a clean sheet so far. Any guesses who those two teams are? Watford, Norwich. Yes, indeed. So, bringing in a keeper from one of those teams, Mick, what are we thinking there? I mean, we all have two keepers. That was 16 taken. I had the choice out of four. The other four didn't have super appealing fixtures, so I went, maybe I'll get some save points. That's pretty much the extent of it. And I also (laughs) thought, well, um, I can't even remember who exactly Norwich had this week. Uh, Let me see if I can bring it up. Uh... 
Leeds. I said, Leeds haven't looked that necessarily good going forward. So I'm like, they're an outside chance of getting a clean sheet. Then it's a very open game. So maybe he'll get some safe points. Um, and then in their upcoming weeks, they've got Brentford, Southampton, Wolves, and Newcastle, which according to the, I guess, the official games difficulty rating, they're all easy games. So I've got the option to swap them out. Goalkeeper is one of those who are, no one can take them all from me. So I'm going to have a choice of a couple. So if I need to change, I will. Um, and with Brentford having a bit of an upset against Burnley, I'm maybe keeping him longer than I expected to. Yeah, I mean, if Norwich are going to save themselves, it has to basically be this next month. So, yeah, maybe you'll be able to ride some good form there. Um, Isaac was next, lose, lost patience with Bamford finally for Isaac, dropped him and brought in Rodrigo. So continuing his hot streak, who then uh, Rodrigo immediately got an attack in return for him. So... What are we thinking there, Isaac? You think Bamford will be available for you again later on on free agents? Because I was just having a look, and even though he was projected to return around now, there's still no actual return date that anyone's confirmed. So what are we thinking, Mm -hmm. Isaac? They're just like lost patients, need an upgrade now? Yeah, the fact that there was no return date just sort of got me worried a bit, and I just wanted to make sure I had people playing, uh, getting me points. Like, I'm trying to chase you down, Gilby, so I just need the points. And I figured with that fixture, it's there's a chance that Rodrigo is going to get some points. He did, so that's fantastic. So, again, I'll just keep looking for those particular players, and, and that was one of them this week. Yep, and then on the free agent try, uh, trades, uh, Jeff was first up uh, fixing his hmm. Kovacic trade and then bringing in Kata, who is now also injured. So it has not been Jeff's week on the free agent wire, unfortunately. Um, Dave was next, dropping Odegaard for Moutinho. Now, the question I was going to ask Dave as well, I had a look at Dave's team. He now has, out of his five midfielders, you now have three defensive midfielders, Dave. You've got Suchek, Click, and Moutinho. So what are we thinking with the defensive midfielders there, Dave? That's a bold I'll, strategy, I'll give you an attacking one in Sterling. Uh, look, what what am I thinking? Um, clearly wasn't thinking. Uh, <laughs> I set pieces. I maybe? picked up Moutinho, and I was also looking at Neves. Um, it was a bit of a toss up between those two, uh, and. In hindsight, you realize that's another. You know, he's a defensive midfielder, midfielder, right? right? But he (laughs) he does have more um, set piece potential. Um, And Wolves did have a reasonable set of interim fixtures. Not saying it was great, um, but that was the thinking there. Um, Click completely just because he was a Leeds midfielder that was available when I picked him up before they had a great run of fixtures. And who was the other one you said? Sorry. Sushek. Um, and with Sushek, I mean, he's got attacking potential offset pieces. So, yeah, okay, defensive mids, but with some attacking return potential. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definite reasons to keep them, but I was just interested at the balance of your team there, um, that you had three defensive mids, so 
possibly looking at free trades there, I'd imagine. Um, and then our last trade was another controversial one, but probably for the fixtures, maybe okay. Ben was last, dropping Ben White from Arsenal for our old uh, fantasy friend from a, year, a few years back at Huddersfield, Zanka. Um, I'm imagining riding Isaac's coattails there with Brentford about to face Norwich and Newcastle. So the only way I'd be thinking that trade be making sense. So I guess the jury's out. If Brentford do hold both to clean sheets, then yeah, great. But Ben White, I think, given Arsenal look really solid, it's a tough one for me to do that one as well. So yeah, and that was the end of our transactions this week. And I will be offering Mick a trade for Ronaldo, given he's shown he's keen to accept questionable offers over this last week. So I'll be offering him one <laughs> later on today. That's what we like to hear. That that'll that'll get us going uh, again once we once we start once we finish looking at our league table. So which that's what we might jump into now. So, um, you know, Gilby, it will be back over to you because again for the umpteenth million week in a row, you're on on the top. Now only thirty five points this week, so not as many as you would have would have liked. But uh, talk us through it. Where where'd your points come from, and are there? Other than a trade with Mick, are you going to actually jump into the waiver wire this week? Or again, are you happy? Yeah, well, I, was, I was just really frustrated this week because a few things went against me. I did not expect Jota to be benched again, so I hated that. Uh, woke up to see West Ham score four and thought Beauty and Turner would have got at least one of them, maybe two, and he got exactly none of them. Imagine so... seeing Havertz not score out of seven. Yeah, well, I mean, that's Habits and that's Anto- <laughs> and I've got Antonio. So I think there's a little bit more of a surprise there. Um, so the only other one, <laughs> Thielman's created the joint most chances for this game week with uh, Grealish. So, yeah, just a bit of a frustrating one for me. The only thing which did make me feel a little better was a lot of other managers didn't really have a massive week, except for one manager we'll talk about a bit later. But, yeah, I mean, my defense kind of held things together a bit, got a goal from Rashford off the bench. Fernandez picked up an assist, thankfully, so just enough points to keep me up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd be hoping for a, a few more things running my way in the next few weeks. Is as as Pelicueta on the chopping block? I Big don't question. think you can afford to give up a Chelsea defender at the moment, given how solid they've been. And um, But like the way I've treated my defense all year is that I've kind of had Azpilicueta in mind as a banker and I'm willing to rotate the other four depending on fixtures. So, I mean, I'm always looking at defenders on the free agent wire to have a look at fixtures that sort of stuff. Happy with the ones I've got at the moment for this week. But yeah, I was, I'm always looking at defenders on the waiver wire. Very good. Well, we'll jump next into second place, which is myself uh, on with 45 points this week. So I was able to, 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 to bridge the gap again. Uh, for Gilby with um, being up by 10 points this game week. So only 20 points between us now. Um, I feel like I've been been saying that for far too many weeks where I'm you know, bridging that gap, but all credit to Gilby how he's playing. So 45 points from me. Um, I've had some good some good performances. Uh, Mendy at the back, Rudiger at the, the back for me as well with Chelsea's game. Uh, ben Rama got an assist. Uh, Corne got 10. Uh, came off the bench for me. 
uh, Mane with seven and Rodrigo with six. Uh, but then my defenders didn't sort of aim up for me. So, you know, where I was expecting uh, City to potentially get a bit of a clean sheet there, they, you know, got uh, they they came and basically got done by Palace. So that didn't help. Uh, Brentford again got done and Brighton, which I wasn't really expecting them to do too much against uh Liverpool anyway, uh, but I had Dunk come on um, off the bench as well because I had Ings that didn't play because now he's apparently uh, injured, which is a bit of a shame. Um, Greenwood didn't play due to the new formation change and Mboemo didn't play because he was injured as well. So that was one of the reasons I bought Cornet in as well because I was sceptical if Mboemo would play. So that's why I brought uh, yeah, Cornet in as well to make sure I had a, back, a decent backup there. So um, yeah, Interesting game week for me, but been able to close that gap by 10 points. Only 20 points behind Gilby now. And because of some of the poor scores uh, from the chasing pack behind Gilby and myself, I was able to extend my my gap over Jeff, who's in third. Only managed a low, a league low of 22 points this game week. Um, a bit of a shocker there. And we obviously mentioned some of the issues he had in the waiver wire. Uh, Keita for one point came in, uh, got injured as well. Um, I think the only return he had was Salah getting an assist and Wan-Bissaka getting a clean sheet. So not a great week for 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 Jeff. Um, he'll be pretty disappointed with that one and probably hoping he's going to get a trade done with, with uh, Mick at some point. So that, that might help his cause and try and give some backup to Salah. Uh, but that's sort of where he is at the moment, and he's obviously working behind the scenes to get some trades done. He's been closed by Nathan in fourth place, 37 points. So Nathan has jumped over Dave, 37 points this game week. Um, And looking at his team, he had a few players get zero points, like Edison and uh, Matip, who didn't play at all. But uh, his bench weren't able to help him out, unfortunately, other than Gallagher coming in for 13 points. Uh, Smith Rowe with nine points and Laporte negative three. So he's had a very indifferent week. I think Gallagher has saved him there, but he's been able to jump over Dave and we'll get to why that is shortly. Um, you know, he's 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 been able to, you know, pick up a few points Le- there. Leaving Ramsdale on the bench for 10 and having Edison for zero hurts though. It does hurt big time. And but you can understand it though, right? Oh, like, absolutely. I I would have done the same Arsenal's thing. Arsenal's against fair. Leicester compared to Edison's <laughs> against uh, sorry Man City's against Palace. You definitely take Man City every day. Yeah, I don't think Nate can absolutely. complain about his luck from the bench this week. No, he's done pretty well with Gallagher there, and I think that might mean that uh, he he considers playing Gallagher more given the f- good fixtures they've got coming up as well. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, Laporte for negative three doesn't doesn't help though like that's you'd expect him to at least get one point and the fact that he's got four less than that is uh not ideal so uh 37 points for this particular game week is well in comparison to some managers pretty good um and when we're talking about some managers dave yeah speaking of which uh dave why don't you run us through how your game went, I mean, please? this should be very, very, very quick because there's literally only... Short and sweet. Uh, well, short at least. Um, there's only three things to mention. Christensen <laughs> okay. and Livramento both got me six in defense and Robertson managed to get me zero 
So other than that, ones and twos across the board. Uh, next. Oh, is that That's it? That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. I mean, you, you didn't want to talk about um, why you've still got Richie? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Not particularly. <laughs> okay. could be, All right. I could ask that same question about a few of my players, to be honest, but after the... I feel like it's a podcast in itself. After the, I mean, relative highs of last week, it all came crashing down pretty quickly. Yeah. And it means you've crashed down into fifth as well. So uh, I'm sure... You're, look, you're only you're only eight points behind that, so I'm sure you're looking at, to rebound this week. And this is where we get to the biggest mover uh, of the week, coming up into sixth spot uh, with a 75-point haul, uh, is Dan. He's had an incredible week. Uh, that is largely thanks to, to James. Um, with 21 points. Now, I was mentioning before we started the pod that at one point, Dan offered me James in a trade. I can't remember who the trade was for, but he offered me James and I, I considered it and I think we spoke about it on the pod, but you know, he was just too up and down with his points, um, sort of rocks or, or diamonds. Um, and that 21 points is is sparkling, absolutely sparkling this week. Yeah, well, I mean, I had a look at it myself. James has played seven matches. He's gone 1-18-1-1-1-13-21. So the very definition of rocks and diamonds. <laughs> and, but the thing is, with, with, with Dan's game week, like even if we take away James, so we take away James, let's forget his 21 points. He still would have won the game week on points because his midfield just absolutely... Um, they just worked this week. All of them were able to pick up some form of points, and I think, um, I think Mick, I think you can take some some credit for this in some ways. I, I was think. about to say that myself. So, out of Dan's fifteen players, I have had five of those. So I have had That's Trossard. A stat I was not aware I have of. Had Trossard <laughs> dropped from free agency, I believe, and then dropped him, and then he straight after that started playing as a secondary striker. I had Buendia from the start, and then he wasn't playing, so I dropped him. And Dan picked him up. I had Rafinha and Watkins, which you spoke about. And I've had Michael Keane before, which I swapped to get Digne. And Michael Keane, yeah, does what he does. So, great times. That's, um, so, you're, what you're saying is this could have been your game week. I wouldn't go that you, far. You could have won this game I week. I wouldn't quite go oh, that far. Sorry. Considering, I mean, two of those five he left on the bench for 13. But those five players combined scored 28 points. So could have had less than half a team and still beaten Jeff and tied with Dave, I think. So would have been nice. I mean, James almost could have done that. He could have just had his keeper and James playing and would have been there or thereabouts. So I don't know how that... How does that make you feel, Dave? I mean, whatever. It, it is impressive <laughs> that Dan's done all of that with his best and first pick, Lukaku, not playing too. I don't know if you've mentioned that, but yeah. that, that makes it even more impressive. Which, no, not yet. I mean... I've been doing that all season and no one's given me any raps. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you haven't hauled 75 points in a game week. <laughs> actually saw an interesting one for Chelsea. Um, somebody actually looked at it. Uh, 
due to Tuchel's system, maybe better the quality of the strikers as well before Lukaku, Chelsea's starting striker or strikers out of all 26 games under Tuchel since he's taken over has only scored seven goals. So, like, the, the way he sets up these strikers... Uh, even Tuchel said um, the way he sets up, they're required to do a bit more work. And it's going to be players around them that pick up more goals. So, I mean, maybe we all overvalued Lukaku from the start. Yeah, you could be right. So, Dan expects some some trade offers for Lukaku this week, potentially. Um, you know, you, you might you might think that, that that's, a, that's a good idea, given that analysis. But I, I, I remember having a, a go at Dan at one point saying his midfield was trash. And since then, if you have a look at his midfield now, we'll just quickly go through. Bowen, 11 points, is in great form. Saka, 6 points, in great form. Trossard, 9 points. A little bit patchy, but he did fantastic this week, and he's in a really good side. Buendia, 4 points. Again, um, not in a great side at the moment, but at least he's playing and he's got those 4 points. And Rafinha, 9 points. So, like, that is a solid midfield when you look at it. Like, there's no standout player. But all of those players have the ability to at least pick up some attacking returns. So I think, you know, Dan is pretty well positioned at this point in time to um, do some good things. Obviously, the striker position is an issue, but if Watkins can keep scoring, he had seven points and he was on the bench. Um, you know, Dan is looking looking pretty good right now. So, you know, there could be opportunities to do some trades with Dan potentially um, and, you know, see if see if someone can, uh, you know, do that that magical Moy trade that Mick managed to pull off uh, some years ago. So it'll be interesting to see. He might he might be a little bit more wary to that, that now. That trade but, may have um, already happened, I think. It may have, and it may have gone the other way, unfortunately, for you, Mick. So we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But, yeah, big credit to Dan. He's he's really turned it around. He's done fantastic and, you know, moved up into sixth. So that means seventh is Ben on 38 points. Um, you know, looking at, at Ben's team really quickly, McCarthy, eight points as his keeper. Thiago uh, Silva, six points. Maguire, five points. Zaha, eight points. Um, and, you know, just appearance points for, for sort of everybody else. And the big shock was Mount not playing. Um, there was really no no indication that he wouldn't play. And after the points haul that he got, everyone was hoping that he would. I know he was a really heavily traded into the fantasy regular fantasy game. So, yeah, that was a big shock. Uh, 37, 38 points, though, I apologize. He's, you know, still a fairly decent haul for this round. But um, I'm sure he was hoping for a few more points this this particular game week. Yeah, and I'm going to be interested to see if he actually uh, makes any moves in the waiver wire. Um, on Twitter, uh, I want to thank uh, at FPL Mate, who... Um, gave the nickname to the uh, Doritos of death. And if you have a look at Ben's squad at the moment, he currently has three Doritos of death, uh, one being Mountain Pereira, uh, or Mountain Pereira, sorry, both on yellows and Pogba uh, with the red for his red card suspended. Um, but he's also got Morpai who didn't play at all either. Um, so I think we've spoken about how risky it is to carry players that aren't regular starters. Um, he, obviously, you know, Mount and Morpai, you'd expect to be back fairly soon. But, yeah, going to be interesting to see 
what he does there. Yeah, speaking of the real fantasy game, the only other interesting one I saw this week was there was a new record set. Um, Salah became the most captained player in fantasy Premier League history with 4.8 million, 4.6 million people making him their captain. Um, only an assist this week, of course, but given the form he's been in, you'd have to say that's probably going to continue. And he also had the highest ever uh, selection percentage inside the top 10,000 people or something to that effect where of the top 10,000 fantasy players, uh, he was in 195% of teams. Of course, that's possible through people captaining captaining him. So he gets uh, a double up. They double, but basically said that of everyone in the top 10,000 teams, effective ownership, effective ownership yeah. that's it. Um, yeah, so everyone in that top 10,000, uh, there was only about two and a half percent of them that weren't owning him and captaining him. Like, who doesn't have Salah at the moment in the regular fantasy game? Like, I don't understand how you, what you've been doing this whole time. It, it really doesn't make sense. Does to that me. not make it more impressive um, that someone's in the top ten thousand without Salah? True, true. Yes, but they're probably coming ten thousandth. <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That is pretty impressive. Fair, fair play. Fair play to them. Well done. Um, hopefully they've been able to spread, spread their funds around a little bit more evenly in that case. Uh, but I suppose that leaves us into eighth place with Mick. Now, Mick, you had a pretty good game week. So I was surprised when I still saw you down in, in eighth. Um, obviously, the gap was too great to bridge this particular game week. But 50 points... Um, Look, you you got to be happy with that return in this type of game week. Yeah. I mean, so far in the pod, I've moved down one position on the ladder and been slated for my trading, despite the fact that I made up 15 points on the top of the ladder. So, overall, it was a good tra- uh, good game week. Um, could have been better, I admit, with, uh, with Rafinha and Watkins still in the team, but oh well, it happens. Um, but I think out of my entire team, Sterling got one still, but playing midweek, I kind of expected that. I hope he'd come off the bench to get 12 minutes. Um, but like you said, for a City team, that just didn't look very City-like. The player I traded for, Jesus, obviously did nothing as well. As a result, got two points. Um, and then Madison, two points, the player I brought in. So two players I brought in this week, and then my one of my first-round picks combined for five. Other than that, Saiz, the other guy I brought in, got two points. So... It's literally like the team that I've had all year has done nothing, and as soon as I start trying to change them, they start doing stuff. Um, only the new people <laughs> I bring in are the ones that aren't performing. So, um, and then Chris Wood on the bench for six points hurts as well. Um, but I guess the good the good things to look at is Ronaldo got on the board again, um, nice twelve points. Chilwell got eight again. Uh, Havertz and Fornells both got six. So, five off the bench for Luke Shaw for me helped um, with Dinier not playing. Um, but apart from that, just solid game week. Cracked 50 for the third time this year, which is nice after five weeks in a row not getting over 35. Um, so hoping that that can continue. Um, but yeah, I think if I can make up 15 points every week, then obviously that's not going to happen. But in theory, if I do that, I win the whole league by about 150, right? So I only need to make up about <laughs> seven points a week to get back near the top. So more weeks like this would be good. And 
as much as it hurts that Dan put 25 more on me and he's broken away, if anyone's going to put that many on me, I'd prefer it to be someone at the bottom of the ladder, not someone at the top. So it hurts, but that's why I guess it's a good thing to trade with him. Now, can you promise me something, please? I, 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 want, to, I want to see if you can promise me this. Can you promise me that Sterling won't be in your squad next week? I cannot do that. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Can you promise me that he'll at least be on the bench next week? Depends what happens midweek with UCL. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. Hey, you can look back I, at we'll this and now there. go, what are you doing? And that's fair. That'll be fair. Live by the sword, die I mean, by the I sword. I have been saying that this whole this this whole year. <laughs> it, it's been a solid seven or eight weeks. So yeah, maybe the first four weeks you let it ride, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm. We'll see. We we definitely will. Um, so uh, guys, I guess that leaves us with looking at any trades now. Um, Dave, it seems like there was a few trades sort of aimed at you, and I know you had a busy week last week, so maybe didn't quite have a look at them. I know I sent you a potential trade at the time. Um, I wanted to get your... I don't know if you, you thought about it too much. I, when I did say thoughts on the trade, your response was, and it, if you're happy, I'll just read what your response was. When I, I offered you a trade and I said thoughts. Go for it. You said thoughts are, the, the Southern Fried Chicken Burger was kind of tasty, but too much oil, and I was expecting a bit of coleslaw and mayo but for a pub in the middle of effing nowhere i can't complain so that was obviously what you were thinking at that particular time i sent that message which was fantastic insight because it made me realize that no you haven't really looked at the trade that's fair um so if i can just take you back (laughs) take me back to that southern fried chicken burger that was slightly too oily no 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 no, no, (laughs) not to that I'd, i'd rather take you back to the potential trade that i offered um, and just get your thoughts on it. it. And so it was me giving up Walker and Townsend for Robinson and Suchek. Um, I still can't work out in my head why you seem so keen to get rid of Walker. I can't reconcile it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you why. The reason is I've got two city defenders and I'm looking to diversify. That's literally the reason why. Yep. And Suchek for who, sorry? Townsend. Townsend. That was the trade. And if you don't like it, that's okay. But I just wanted to get No, I don't, I don't think it's too far off the mark. Uh, By the way, I can't offer you Townsend yeah, anymore because I, I dropped him. He's gone. So. <laughs> um, but if we're just talking, like it's ultimately Robo for Walker and then collateral to make yeah. up the difference, we can sure. we can have a talk. We can have a think. Let me bring so up. So you think we can get closer? You think we can get closer? Because yeah. see, you. Uh, for me, it's about you diversifying from Liverpool, me diversifying from from City. We're doing it in a way that we still have the defenders from the two top teams um, who are playing regularly or regularly enough. So, yeah, that's just my thinking. So, I'm just looking at fixtures right now. I think that could be the sticking sure. point. So Sure. I haven't looked too deeply into that, to be fair. So, right through until 
mid to late February. If we're going purely on the FPL website colouring system, mm-hmm. um, Liverpool face Chelsea, which is a hard five. Everton away and West Ham away are both red four. Everything else is either green or neutral. Mm-hmm. If I bring up the city fixtures, uh, to be fair, that's very even. So through until, let's go the same time period, 20th of February, City have Man U, West Ham, Arsenal, Chelsea, and then everything else is green or neutral. So, yeah, I thought I thought Liverpool had the far better fixtures, but having a look at it, that's not so much the case. Um, look, I think we can... I think we can do some business. I think there should be a second player and I'll probably say a midfielder involved. Not like I I think we're pretty pretty close with Walker and Robbo. Um, I've mentioned a few times that I had the wrong perception that Walker was more of a rotation risk than he appears to have been this season. Um. Yeah, leave it with me. That's okay. We can, yeah, we can, we can keep talking. We can keep chatting. Have a think about it. We'll see if we can get to anything uh, in a little bit. Because was there anything, any other trades that were going on, or that anyone would like to to float at this point in time? There's always there's always something happening behind the scenes. Surely. Well, I just floated my first offer to Mick, which is summarily rejected. Ooh. Um, so we shall see what happens. We'll probably run a bit short on time on this podcast because I think it's going to take a little bit of prizing out of Mick to get another trade, (laughs) uh, given the house. Are you sure he gave up Rafina though? Given given how much I've slated him for the trade this week, I may have well just screwed my chances of getting that again. But anyway, I have to stick with my guns of being honest about all trades in this podcast. So... We shall see. Okay, what do you... This episode's only an hour 17. We've got another half now yet, boys. Oh, (laughs) easy. (laughs) So what was the... Can you... Do you mind divulging what the trade was? So my first offer has been... I went with DCL and Saar for Ronaldo and Sterling. So... I mean, my thinking there is if I'm going to take a big hit in the midfield by taking Sterling that Mick is going <laughs> to get rid of probably soon-ish, depending on how things happen, um, then Mick has to be willing to take a bit of a hit up front and take on DCL being injured for this month, but then being replaced by one of the top point-scoring strikers in the league. So that was my thinking there. Mick said no interest in DCL at the moment. So probably thinking more of like he can't really afford to carry him for a month, which I can understand. So, yeah, I mean, I've given him another second offer, which um, isn't official at this moment. Like I'm just Facebook messaging at the moment. So it's not official offers out there for him to accept or reject. I just want to see what value is placed on Ronaldo at the moment. Any thoughts there, Mick? I'm just having a look. So Arsenal's always a hard one. Aubameyang. He's another Sterling. He probably gets more minutes, but he's the type of guy you expect to get points that never seems to actually get the points you expect him to get. So is it an upgrade? If I look at it that way, all I'm doing is getting rid of Sterling, getting a replacement Sterling, and losing Ronaldo. 
when I say it like that, it's not really that appealing. <laughs> if you look at the points, so I'm looking at the points well, overall. So, so far, Saar has scored 46 points. Sterling has 19. And then Ronaldo has... Geez, got that yep, many? Ronaldo wow. has 37. And Aubameyang has 39. So, at the moment, if we look at pure points, I'm taking a hit of around about 25 to 30 points. Have we considered per game and the fact Ronaldo didn't play the first three? Well, I mean, I was, we hoping, I, was hoping, I was hoping average. you'd ignore that part. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the, the, kind of. Um, but I think as much as I've shopped Ronaldo out around a fair bit, this change in formation, in my opinion, makes him even less likely to get rotated. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays with Cavani. The fact that they've only played it once and it was against a team like Tottenham. Um, and their last three fixtures, Leicester, Liverpool and Tottenham, haven't been great in terms of what you'd traditionally expect. So I've got a feeling if I've held him through those, and I realise I've got Man City this week and then Chelsea in two weeks, but the back end, their last five games, Palace, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, look very, very appealing. So I unlikely I'll probably get rid of him for the next four weeks, and then I'm not going to hold him for four and get rid of him. So... I, I've got a feeling he might be staying in my team until mid-season draft and a solid chance, depending on how the breakdown of points are, probably won't be leaving my squad then either. Um, unless another great offer comes in. So so at the moment, would you be more interested in an upgrade in the striker I'm offering you or an upgrade in the midfielder I'll be offering you? Like, what are you more interested in strengthening? Probably midfielder. Um I don't know. Did... Because you shot your midfield to hell last week. Well, only with Rafinha, which... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's got... Yeah. How many points has Rafinha scored this season? 40, maybe? 35 to 40? I would add... That's Enough. a guess. Um, and I've promptly received... Oh, let's go take out two lots of eight that I left him on the bench for. The nine I traded him out for. Probably about 23 of those points. So I wasn't using them anyway. I may as well give him to someone that will, right? Yeah, well, Rafinha has 41. So he has 14 more points than any other Leeds player. Yeah, and I've literally left him on the bench for 16 of those 41, and I didn't have him for nine of the others. So out of those 41, I only got 16 of those points. So if you look at the points that I actually got from Rafinha, I didn't actually give him that much. And same with Watkins. Watkins, I think, had 18 points going into this round and then scored seven this week. So... It's one of those that, in hindsight, yeah, sure, looks like a stupid, 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 unbelievably dumb trade, but I hadn't been getting it. It hadn't been breaking down very well for me as it was, so if I wasn't playing him, I might as well get rid of him, right? It's just like Pep wants to do with Sterling. All right. In that case, would it take? Would you be interested in either Jota or Tielemans? The fact that I've just gone in on Madison makes Tillemans a little bit less appealing. Madison seems to be, even though he doesn't play the full 90, he seems to be getting starting role again. Um, hasn't been playing as woefully as he was at the start of the season. While Tillemans is still, I think, the engine in that room that ticks and gets some attacking returns, um, I think I'll probably hold out on Madison a little bit just purely for set-piece duty. Um, and the other one you said was... Jota. Jota possibly 
that's it's a hard one with rotation. Um, short term, obviously, long term, yeah, there's big benefits there. But the short term, the problem is, is I can stack my team up ready for after mid year, but I could be well and truly out of the running by then. So, um, well, let me look into it a bit more, and we'll see how we're going. But there's there's things that I like about my team. I just need more weeks like this week where my team does something good and everyone else's team doesn't do something good. If, as I put it as eloquently as that. Yeah, I mean, I was just interested to see the current value of Ronaldo. So we'll see see what you think of any of those midfield options and to, maybe we'll keep talking about that in the next few weeks. Yeah, to put it out there though, like chances are Ronaldo's value has probably gone up a little bit from previous weeks. From where it was two, one, two, three weeks ago, it's a little bit higher now than it was, so. Well, you guys are chatting. It looks like Isaac's got a thinking face on. That's a great visual for all of our podcast listeners that have no idea of what Isaac's thinking face is. So I hope we uh, attach it somewhere. Maybe maybe, uh, it can be shared on Twitter this week. Let me get a screenshot. (laughs) Is he still with us? I think Isaac may actually be frozen, which, I mean, he's probably got several other tabs open at the moment. So depends what is actually on those tabs as to what he's frozen on. So, <laughs> I mean, since you can't hear me at the moment, we could start speculating on all sorts of different tabs. I'm sh- That's true. Oh, here he is. I apologize. Oh, you can hear us. Um, uh, it's okay. I was defending you, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I muted myself because my, my thinking face um, comes with noises. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> so I was, I, I've just received a, a bit of a counter from from Dave. So I'm having a look at that. He sent me some some rather interesting screenshots as well to try and uh, tempt me into a particular trade. Well, given um, that Dave isn't wearing a shirt at the moment, I don't want to ask <laughs> what those tempting screenshots are. Well wouldn't be the first time um so he says he rates robo higher than walker which i understand totally get would you add suchek for ben rama and my thinking there is um west ham for west ham, west ham for west ham it's not um lessening any diversification for either of us yeah no i, I totally agree with that um, and then he said, I would also take Mbuemo, but I assume you want to keep him. I said, I'll have a think. Mbuemo is, is tempting, is a tempting proposition. So he then just sent me a few screenshots of like uh, predictions of, of points in the upcoming game weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to come to a decision right now in the pod, but I see I, I see either of those potentially happening. Um, All right. Well, there's uh, there's definite scope there. I think we we're getting a lot closer than we were before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fairly even trade on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Um, I'll let you stew over that one. Uh, just keeping in the back of our minds that I believe there's an early game this week. There's a uh, Australian time indeed. Saturday morning game. So waivers, sorry, trades will have to be in by uh, 4.30 a.m. on Thursday the 4th. So you've got just over 24 hours, boys. Okay, it's good to know. 
yeah, I'm probably not getting up around 3 a.m. on Thursday morning to oh, okay. see the outcome. <laughs> no, look, fair enough. I understand that. We'll, we'll keep chatting, Dave. I think with the, the, there may be a trade that goes forward that we can then talk about next week and next week's podcast. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly very tempting. We'll have a bit of a look at that. Have a look at that. I think we're a lot closer. I like it. I like it a lot. So, guys, unless there's anything else trade-wise, we might get into next week's games um, and, and pick a few things out. Mick's obviously keen to know the the, the um, positive M-word that I've put into his uh, title of his multi, and I'm keen to know what his two-legged multi is. Um, so this week's game, gentlemen, we've got early game of Southampton, Aston Villa. We then move to... The Manchester Derby, we've got Man U versus Man City, which I'm sure Gilby is uh, keen for. We then roll into um, Brentford versus Norwich. Chelsea v Burnley. Palace v Wolves. Brighton versus Newcastle. Arsenal versus Watford. Everton versus Spurs. Leeds versus Leicester. And West Ham versus Liverpool. So, gentlemen... Uh, we might start with Gilby. I think I know what your answer is going to be, but which game uh, are you looking forward to? Which game is going to give you some fantasy points? And which which game just in general is just of interest to you? What have we got? Do I even need to ask Gilby? I mean, maybe you do. Actually, I won't ask Gilby at all. I don't think there's any point. So I might ask you, Dave, instead, because I don't think you're going to pick the game that Gilby would pick. But um, which, which game are you looking for? Hopefully you don't say Watford. But um, we'll wait and see. No, you're not. Okay, no, I, I mean, Arsenal are on the up and Watford are just all over the shop. So there is a very good chance we could win that 3-0, but there's equally a good chance that we could lose it 6-1. Um, <laughs> I'm actually looking at Everton Spurs. I We haven't really spoken much about uh, Nuno's departure so far. Um, there's a lot of speculation about Conte coming in. Don't think anything will be in place by the time this match rolls around, or at least I don't think Conte will be uh, necessarily taking charge. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Spurs throw up. Uh, and speaking of throwing up, uh, Everton's, Everton's form of late has been rather sick as well. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it may not be a glamour fixture uh, at the moment, but could be interesting. No, fair enough. And and Gilby, we were chatting before. I think I know what your game of the week is going to be, uh, given there's a pretty significant game coming up. Um, so, but but talk us through it. Your your game to watch this week? Yeah, I mean, no surprises. I'm going for the Manchester Derby. Uh, going to be a really big match because if we cop another hammering, it pushes Solskjaer a little bit closer to the edge. That said, City have not looked necessarily great going forwards. I have, I think I score a, a statistic earlier on where they've scored the least goals of Guardiola's reign so far to this point in the season. Uh, so with no actual, you'd say, recognised leading striker if they're playing Jesus as a winger now, I could actually suit Manchester United's kind of brutal defensive line. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. That said, I mean, City's midfield is... A massive upgrade on ours so they could well tear us apart or i mean this could be solskjaer buying himself time to the end of the season if it does go our way so really interesting one either way there 
just quickly, boys, I just got a notification. Conte has officially signed. So I don't know if you guys have seen that while Ooh. the pod's been on, but Conte is officially – there's a picture of him holding up a Spurs shirt. So there he is there. So we can – all those assumptions are out the window now. Probably saying something like, I always dreamed of joining Tottenham. It's always yeah, been. I'm, I'm sure he has. It's always been my dream, right? That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the way he'd go with that particular statement. I wonder what his statement, his official statement's going to be. Is it something like, "Well, you know, I I did turn them down the first time that I applied for this job, uh, but I feel so much more confident this second time, um, given the results that have happened." I just don't understand what that statement's well, going to be. The rumors that I'd read about that were there's two things that he was unsure about the first time around, and that was Harry Kane's future. Um, obviously, with Man City pushing pretty hard, he wanted to know what was happening there. I don't think anything would have changed too much. In the meantime, um, the other side to that was January transfer and the budget allowed. So if you do read into those are the two things that he wanted, does that mean Tottenham actually go out and be un-Tottenham-like and actually sign someone in the summer? Um, I guess if, if you resign yourself to the fact you're losing Harry Kane, if Levy, Levy Daniel Levy puts some money into the team, well, they use the war chest they're going to get from Kane as well as the budget they put in. They're going to have a hell of a budget to spend on some other players, so... Just on the Conte thing, um, has me thinking, when was this actually really starting to gather some steam? Because uh, I notified you guys almost exactly 26 hours ago that Nuno was gone, uh, Monday 2300, um, oh, Monday at... Yeah, 2033, sorry. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty quick turnaround to sack Nuno, get Conte on the phone, get him on a plane to London, get the deal signed, sealed, delivered. Um, yeah, it's definitely been playing out in the background for more than the last 26 hours, I would have thought. You'd have to think so. Yeah, you'd have to think so, so... Um, look, they've got their man. It took them a manager and 10 game weeks, but uh, they've got their man. So hopefully it gives them a, a change or a bit of a turnaround. Um, look, I guess finishing this sort of section off before we get to the multi, my game of the week uh, is is looking at a a game that I think is, is going to be an interesting one. West Ham versus Liverpool. Obviously, uh, West Ham are... Um, you know, playing pretty decent at the moment. They're at the, the, the sort of towards the top of the table. Liverpool are Liverpool, and they've been playing fantastic. I think that's going to be a really good game, really attacking game. Um, it'll be just interesting to see how West Ham handle um, that attacking threat of Liverpool. And then, you know, if they are able to counter it and get on the break, whether the back line of Liverpool can handle someone like Antonio getting forward. So I think that's going to be a really, really good game to watch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to jumping into that one now, Mix, the moment we've all been waiting for. We've uh, This week, we're looking at Mix, mischievous, magnificent, mega miracle, magic, marvelous, malign, majestic, multi. So please, if you, if you wouldn't mind. First, I, I want to know, is, is that an appropriate uh, positive M word that I've added in? And then I want to hear this two-legged multi. I, I, I like majestic. Majestic works well. Um, I, I, You're yeah, welcome. I'm... Quite, quite impressed with that one. But I will say that the uh, the multi 
I had lined up I, the whole conversation. I shouldn't have done this at the start because I'm just not convinced at all on it now. And let's face it, I wasn't convinced on it before, was I? Um, Have you been convinced on any of oh, them, to be fair? The, honestly, I can't even remember them, so probably not. Probably not, to be fair. <laughs> um, and then I come up, with, have come up with a second one that's paying identical, and you need to, yeah, no, one. That, that's the that hard part. You know, okay, okay, we're gonna go with it. That actually, pretty much everyone's gonna be happy here except for Gilby. Not that Gilby's gonna be unhappy, just more so that two other people are gonna be happy. Let's go two game multi, sorry, two leg multi. Crystal Palace to beat Wolves by exactly two goals, and Eduard to score two or more goals in the game. So that's what we're going with there. Now, this was a very last minute one. I put it together there. I haven't even looked at the stats about if Edouard's actually playing well. So, hey, maybe that's the trick. Maybe the trick is to do less research and just have a swing, right? So, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. He's been playing out on the left for the last couple yeah. of games. So his goal attack isn't as, as great at the moment. Yeah, but, but you know. I know Zaha missed a game in the middle there as well where Benteke played. I'm assuming Benteke played through the central there and AU played out to the right. Um, with Zaha coming back, I or Elise, yeah, yeah, and I think with well with Zaha being back in the team, maybe there's a bit more rotation. They might swap between the central spot and the left hand spot. Um, so yeah, that that that's just one I threw together there, and I would share the other one, but I don't want to humiliate myself, so I'll just save it here. And when it <laughs> happens to come out, I'll just ruin my uh, misfortune more than anything else. So we'll we'll leave that one in the bank for next time and. We'll see what happens. Well, there's your M word for next week, Isaac. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll, we'll throw that one in. Well, to be yeah. fair, it was $39.70 was paying as well. So. Okay. I feel like I've wasted Majestic this week, if I'm honest, Mick. Um, no, well, Majestic was you know. because of my overall performance last week. See, now you can, sure, okay. after this next coming week, you can then just go as... as uh, fruity as you'd like. You can go as, as out there as you like. You make it as negative as you like. Speaking um, of um, majestic and fruity, just to quickly change the topic, because we all know that your multi's not going to come out anyway, Mick. Um, did any of you guys see the Premier League and Nike had released their winter high-vis ball? It is very majestic and fruity. Um, it is... Very yellow, as they always are. But it's got a blue swirl, a few red dots, uh, and it's inspired by comic books. Don't know what that has to do with football so much, um, but I don't hate it, I think. Sounds very sounds very convincing there, Dave. But yeah, I've seen it as well, and it looks interesting. Oh, okay. it, it's different. It's not... It, I think I like it. I actually can't even tell you off the top of my head exactly what the current Premier League ball, the regular ball, looks like. But I think in previous seasons, it's been a yellow copy of that standard ball, which I can only assume it's not this year. So I guess a bit different, which is nice. And yeah, it's nice to see them actually going out for something a little bit different rather than just more of the same. How often would they actually use that high-vis ball, do you think? Uh, they use it pretty regularly. Like, I think they use the high-vis balls every time it's snowing. Okay. Which over there, it's okay. well, fairly okay. regular, yeah. Yeah, fair, tr- fair, fair enough. Okay. No, I had a look. It looks pretty, pretty interesting. I'm, I, I'm happy with using Majestic for it. Um, yeah. 
that looks good. For for I, I love it when we put, uh, talk about visual things on the podcast. I think that that's uh, an excellent touch. Something that we should throw in more and more. Is this um, week's pod's going to so, be? We all love Nike's balls, or what? <laughs> well, I think we'll I think we'll steer clear of some something like that. Uh, we we need to give maybe that that topic uh, a bit of a break or a bit of a rest uh, this particular this particular game week. Yeah, it's just reading part of Conte's statement and the part that stood out to me, um, let me see, here we go. Uh, Last summer, our union did not happen because the end of my relationship with Inter was still too recent and emotionally too involved for the end of the season. So I thought it wasn't yet the right time to return to coaching, but the contagious enthusiasm and determination of Daniel Levy in wanting to entrust me with the task had already hit the mark. So I don't think anyone's ever describe Daniel Levy as having contagious enthusiasm, except maybe the guy getting $7 million a year from him. So we shall see how he, that contagious enthusiasm lasts. So he was in the middle of his breakup with Inter, and he jumped on football Tinder, and Daniel Levy was already <laughs> right up and in his messages. Uh, that's what I got from that. Whilst he, you know, whilst he was up and in uh, Nuno's messages yeah, well, as well. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. Oh. There you go. Oh wow! Look at bold strategy to him. Like you know, he's driven up his price. Let's be fair as well in this whole thing. And uh, poor old Nuno is the one who's who's suffered for it. So oh, it's a bit of a shame for him. But good on Conte. Hey, it's lovely. So so glad that he uh, he he's keen for for that type of uh, advance from Levy. I'm just reading in terms of managers as well. Unai Emery could be making a return to Newcastle expected before this weekend. So yeah, I did see that. A lot of managerial changes happening in the league. Wow. That'd be a big one. Cause he's been doing quite well uh, back in, in Spain. Uh, yeah. In Villa Spain. Real, I believe, I think it was that they, yeah. they did quite well. I think it was last year. They had quite a good season. So not sure how they're doing. Yeah, this made year, the Champions but, League. Yeah, doing quite well. Oh, there you go. Didn't work out at, 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 at Arsenal, but hey, you never know. You might be able to turn things around at Newcastle, which they need quite desperately. So, look, guys, I think we've done pretty well this week. You know, we've been able to flesh this thing out uh, as we normally do into, you know, a good time frame. So, well done. Um, guys, thanks again. Thanks so much for, for being a part of the podcast. Um, I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Hopefully, Dave and I can sort out a trade. And um, look, at, at the end of the day, uh, Gilby's in front, nothing much has changed and I'm sure it'll be that way again next week, so good luck gentlemen Good luck to everybody, bad luck to Isaac <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you can, I don't think it's going to change too much, so you know, there you go, I think it's status quo, status quo Thanks guys and we'll chat again next See week ya.